to the ABR podcast, where some of Australian Book Review's contributors discuss major issues or read their reviews and creative writing. My name's Georgina Arnott, and I'm the Assistant Editor at ABR. If you enjoy these podcasts, think about subscribing to the magazine. Those 25 and under can do so for as little as $25 for the online version, or $60 for print plus online. I'm Peter Rose, editor of ABR, and I wanted to let you know about the 2024 tour of the Adelaide Festival and Writers' Week, which ABR will present with our commercial partner, Academy Travel. I'll be co-leading the tour with Christopher Menz, a former director of the Art Gallery of South Australia. Join us for nine days of concerts and performances, guided tours of museums and galleries, plus sessions at Writers' Week, the Odd Restaurant, and ABR's unique brand of conversation and conviviality. Full details are available from the Academy Travel website. See you in Adelaide. In this week's ABR podcast, Catriona Menzies-Pike reviews Richard Flanagan's new hybrid work, Question 7. Part memoir, part fiction, part history, part essay, Flanagan's book is, in his terms, a love note to his parents and to Tasmania. But for Menzies Pike, Flanagan's sweeping engagement with history ultimately brings the author back to himself in ways, she says, that limit understanding of the present tense. Menzies Pike is a literary critic and former editor of the Sydney Review of Books. Here she is with The Measure of Things, Flanagan's looping book of questions published in the November issue of ABR. Hello, my name's Katrina Menzies-Pike, and it's a real pleasure to record my essay, The Measure of Things, a review of Question 7 by Richard Flanagan, published in the November issue of the Australian Book Review. When Richard Flanagan left school, he tells us early in Question 7, he worked as a chainman or surveyor's labourer a job centuries-old set to vanish only a few years later, he writes, with the advent of digital technology. Chainmen would have followed the surveyors who mapped Van Diemen's Land and the rest of the British Empire. Their task was to drag the 22-yard chain with its hundred lengths with which the world was measured. The clanking surveyor's measure evokes convict chains, and it demonstrates one of the principles at the heart of this book, that the past lives and redounds in the present. The chainman is a descendant of convicts, and he insists, and I quote, that there was no straight line of history, there was only a circle. That's the end of the quote. Flanagan describes Question 7 as a love note to his parents and to Tasmania. It's a family history of sorts, loaded with historical ironies and repetitions and cruelties. A memoir that provides an account of how the surveyor's assistant became a writer, seeking other, better tools with which to measure the world. One of the epigraphs to the book is taken from an 1851 review in the Hobart Mercury of Moby Dick, and I quote, The author has not given his effort here the benefit of knowing whether it is history, autobiography, gazetteered, tragedy, romance, almanac, melodrama or fantasy. This epigraph signals Flanagan's intention to write a work that is formally sui generis, as well as his ambition, which is, as ever, cetacean in dimension. Obviously, he scoffs at the folly of critics. As the epigraph promises, many genres of books and writing are condensed in the ten sections of Question 7. 
a memoir, yes, one that includes several affecting family portraits, a fictionalised encounter between Rebecca West and H.G. Wells, and an account of Wells's subsequent flight to Switzerland, where he wrote The World Set Free, published in 1914, a long essay on moral relativism and virtue, a splenetic sketch of Flanagan's stint as a Rhodes Scholar in Oxford, a few swings at the po-faced hypocrisies and dreary homilies, certainly is a quote of the Australian literary scene. Flanagan retreads ground that will be familiar to readers of his fiction, reported from a trip to Japan to meet guards from the POW camp where his father was incarcerated during World War II, is folded into Question 7, and so is a gripping account of the young Flanagan's experiences of death in life on the Franklin River. This pluriform work strives for coherence through a process of what we may term speculative autobiography. Just connect, advised Am Forster, and that appears to be Flanagan's approach to history. Another quote, I only write this book that you're now reading, no more than a love note to my parents and my island home, a world that has vanished, he tells us, because over a century ago, another writer wrote a book that decades later seized another mind with such force that it became a reality that reshaped the world. Wells's The World Set Free was read by the Hungarian physicist Leo Szilard, seized him, helped form his fears and ambitions by Flanagan's account, led him to the discovery of the nuclear chain reaction, and in doing so set in train the Manhattan Project. Take a breath, another leap. Had the atomic bomb not been dropped on Hiroshima, a land invasion of Japan would have been mounted and Flanagan's POW father would surely have died and Flanagan the writer might never have lived. Here, the autobiographical subject understands himself to be the child of historical contingencies his existence inextricable from the annihilation of others, his life complicit with death. If the surveyor's chain is an inadequate tool for understanding a landscape, the nuclear chain reaction is an unconvincing figure for historical causation, if a grandiose one. Self-mythologization is the prerogative of the memoirist. I think Flanagan will prefer the term self-invention, but it's working on a scale that brings question seven right up to the edge of self-parody. The offset refrain, that's life, closes several sections of question seven, as if in laconic acquiescence to the surfeit of contingency and cruelty the book witnesses. The authorial persona of this book is a very serious-minded man. There's precious little levity in question seven, and although Flanagan is a blunt observer of historical ironies, he's not inclined to self-irony. This matters naught when Flanagan's fluvial prose attains the intensity and momentum required to carry the reader downstream and it often does. When the crescendo is broken by aphorism, as it often is, the effects are diminished. Maddening aphorisms, the refrain that's life chief among them, present to the reader summative cliché and glib sentimentality, as if they were profound insights. Tasmania remains the centre of the circle of history for Flanagan, and so too the brutal legacy of settlement. In Tasmania, he writes, history constantly failed, History constantly recurred not as answers or comfort, not as a story of progress, but as a massacre site, a napalm blogging clear fell, convict words that spoke of what couldn't be spoken, mythical beings long dead that kept returning, haunting, asking of me something that I've spent a life trying and failing to answer. This passage distills the stylistic and thematic impulses of Question 7 nicely. A sweeping engagement with history ultimately brings the author back to himself. Flanagan is right to denounce a metrical approach to suffering. That is why he put aside the surveyor's chain. But in gathering these incommensurate horrors of Tasmanian history, 
in a dramatic crescendo of clauses, he implies equivalences when far more careful treatment is warranted. Flanagan often works in an elegiac mode. So much of the world from my childhood has gone with it, he writes. I was born into the autumn of things. There are many such moments of Yeatsian foreboding in question seven. Another, in Tasmania, history did not halt and reality was otherwise. And these moments harmonise with the Nietzschean thinking about recurrence and the Faulknerian rhythms of repetition and concealment. It is possible to detect a kinship to W.G. Sebald's associative method here, that most Sebaldian of nouns, oblivion, is used to fine effect several times. But otherwise, Flanagan admits few contemporary influences on his work. Allusions to the literature of the first half of the 20th century abound, and especially to the modernist canon, but the absence of contemporary voices leaves this work estranged from the present. This absence is particularly acute in the sections of Question 7, which disaggregate convict history from settler history and advance a cautious thesis about the indigenization of freed convicts in Tasmania in the 19th century. This book was written in the tumultuous year of the voice referendum, and yet Flanagan finds himself able to reflect on being the issue of a genocidal and a slave society, his words, without any direct reference to Aboriginal writers. He opens the acknowledgments with a recognition of the work of Yonglu writer Sienna Stubbs, which he says informs this book deeply, but without even a citation, it's impossible to understand how. The present of question seven is the terminus of the traumas of the past. As I wrote this review, a convincing majority of Australians rejected the voice, the heartbreaking culmination of a campaign rife with racism and misinformation. Hamas invaded Israel, Israel retaliated. We do not need to look backwards to perceive the brutality of settler colonialism. Indeed, we would do well to look around us. History repeats. Sure, a chain reaction of violence delivers to us the wreckage of the present. Fine. That's life. Such adages reek of complacency, of passivity. Flanagan's looping book of questions about the inescapable past provided me neither with consolation nor with new tools to take the measure of our contemporary world. Thanks for listening to the Australian Book Review Podcast. Join us again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing to ABR? Subscriptions start from just $10 a month for full digital access. Visit our website for more information. We'd like to thank Stacey Chan, who edits the podcast, as well as our contributors who take the time to read their articles and creative writing. And if you enjoy listening to the ABR podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.